0: Hello and welcome to Temples Made With Hands, a podcast about stories, stories I love and stories I hate, because while I may not contain multitudes, I certainly contain those. You can rate and subscribe on all reputable podcast platforms and all disreputable ones. My email is tmwh.podcast at episode transcripts with references can be found at templesmadewithhands.wordpress.com. Enjoy! And if not, please submit a numbered list. Welcome. In this episode, I will sketch out a background on which to base all future episodes, and also to correct people who come to this podcast expecting to find DIY tips on building your own church. I daily expend vast quantities of mental real estate on considering stories, both on paper and on film. To save the ears of those around me, I decided to record my thoughts on a podcast instead of annoying people at the dinner table. The reason I'm such a taxing dinner guest is that my favourite response to any story is indignation. Either I'm indignant that an excellent story is not more widely known and loved, or more commonly, I'm indignant that an absolute trash fire is raking in a massive undeserved audience. And indignation is not a great look at a party. So, in each episode, I will compare and contrast two stories, one that I loved and one that I hated. Just like in secondary school English, which also happens to be my highest qualification for doing so. And also like secondary school English, George Eliot may feature prominently. What's up, Marianne? In this podcast, I have free reign to compare and contrast nothing but my own feelings. What could go wrong? (laughs) So let's talk about artists and audiences. In 1749, Henry Fielding interrupted his long-winded narrative about the eponymous Tom Jones to say, if a person who pries into the characters of others with no design but to discover their faults and to publish them to the world deserves the title of a slanderer of the reputations of men, why should not a critic who reads with the same malevolent view be as properly styled the slanderer of the reputation of books. Now, it's not exactly an esoteric fact that artists respond poorly to slights on their work. Indeed, it's emotionally justifiable. The worst film or book you can possibly imagine was, after all, made by somebody. In the Republic, Plato only wanted severe storytellers who would imitate the style of the virtuous, There have been numerous attempts since to curtail and censor what stories are told, to who and how. The now lauded Ulysses by James Joyce is a famous example of a book so reviled by critics that it was deprived of an audience on grounds of obscenity. It required a court case to allow the book to be published in the United States. This quote from Judge Woolsey echoes my own opinion. Whilst in many places, the effect of Ulysses on the reader undoubtedly is somewhat emetic, nowhere does it tend to be aphrodisiac. Joyce, understandably, was highly indignant at this response to his work. Which begs the question, what did he want? For Fielding, and Joyce, and anyone else who's ever put a story into the world, I posit they all had in mind an ideal audience. This audience would be engaged, interested, educated and informed, but never negative. In Terry Pratchett's Soul Music, there is a line from the musician Buddy that reads, The judges were very pleased. They said that in 50 years, I might really understand music. To me, this represents the apogee of the artist's interaction with an audience, being heard by learned people who comprehend what you're doing because they have a technical grounding in the craft and an ability to gauge your skill level. This also assumes that there is a template of good and bad with which the storyteller can compare their own creation, as indeed can the ideal audience. Yet what is this template? For critics and moralists in Joyce's time, the template certainly didn't contain scatological and sexual terms. But the boundaries of good and bad fiction no longer accord with religion or traditional morality or even a canon of works. You know, the European white males. Rather, it all comes down to personal preference. To praise Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart in his ruling on the Jacobellus versus Ohio obscenity case of 1964, good fiction is a case of knowing it when you see it. I am not immune. I too was seduced by the concept of the canon such that when I read John Opdike, for example, and viscerally loathed his writing, I assumed I was doing something wrong. Yet, this is like trying to make an ultimate ruling about which is better, ice cream from the freezer or wagyu beef from a Michelin-starred restaurant. It really comes down to what do you want to eat? Ice cream or a steak? I wager almost no one wants to eat a frozen steak with a spoon. But that doesn't mean the composition of ice cream is fundamentally flawed. I like asking questions. My favourite question is why. Why do I like the things that I like? Well, I know some answers. My favourite arc is a redemption arc. Like E.M. Forster... Two people pulling each other into salvation is the only theme I find worthwhile. My favourite type of character is a flat arc character, like Paddington in Paddington 2. And also Paddington 1, but 2 is by far the superior movie. I like wit, but not slapstick humour. Sexism will ruin a story for me. I'm an atheist, but I love nothing better than a story that does religion well. In the words of the incomparable Jane Austen, I am a partial, prejudiced and ignorant historian when it comes to my own tastes. I have genres, tropes and settings I prize, and against which I will compare everything that is outside of them, even though that's neither just nor fair. Concerning the name of this podcast. In De Profundis, my boy Oscar Wilde wrote this passage. My gods dwell in temples made with hands, And within the circle of actual experience is my creed made perfect and complete. Too complete, it may be, for like many or all who have placed their heaven in this earth, I have found in it not merely the beauty, but the horror of hell also. To put it another way, blessed are the nitpickers, for they shall see the man behind the curtain. Unfortunately, the more stories I consume, and the more I understand about the underlying mechanics of storytelling, the less likely I am to respond positively. And the more hyped something is and the wider the expectation reality gap, the less likely I am to respond positively. I'm a glass half empty person and that half is battery acid. A sidebar on spoilers. I am the world's biggest spoiler-phobe. I even find content warnings, commendable as they are, too spoilery. Thus, I get profoundly irritated when an otherwise sensible commentator says, usually sarcastically, spoilers for a book written a hundred years ago, or spoilers for a 25-year-old film. I wasn't born a hundred years ago. It took me two decades to develop the reading skills I have now. I don't spend every minute of every day reading every book and watching every film that's been released that day. I have to sleep and and eat and work to pay my bills. So yeah, it's quite possible I haven't read a book published 200 years ago yet, or got around to consuming the entire library of classic screwball cinema. CLDR, I will always warn for spoilers about every single property I mention. Martin Scorsese was worried in 2019 that cinemas were turning into amusement parks. Where I tend to disagree with this apocalyptic prediction is that I don't think there ever was a scenario where the primary function of most stories was anything other than spectacle. Curious as I personally find it, most people don't want to have three hours of debate about a movie they just watched or write a thousand words of a book review. In the moment... They were entertained, and that was enough. It's not enough for me. Now, I'm not that ideal audience. I'm not a professional critic, and I have no academic credentials. Yet, I still believe there is value in deconstructing, dissecting, and examining a story, even as an amateur. I feel I can contribute something more than, that was fine, or... Yeah, I like that. Tom Cruise is awesome. Of a film with zero Tom Cruise's in it. Granted, my contribution may be simply burn it to the ground and salt the earth behind you. Battery acid, remember. I've had friends refuse to go to the cinema with me anymore because I rant too much afterwards. Sometimes I think about what it would be like to be a reader who genuinely loved Where the Crawdads Sing. Like a governess of yore, I belong neither with the family upstairs nor the servants downstairs. But that's okay. It gives me more time to read. Thanks for listening. You can rate and subscribe to this podcast on all podcasting platforms. You can even leave a review if the spirit moves you. If it moves you a great deal, you can support me on Patreon at Temples Made with Hands Podcast. The show email is tmwh.podcast at gmail.com. Transcripts with references are at templesmadewithhands.wordpress.com. Find me on Twitter at tmwhpodcast and Instagram at templesmadewithhandspodcast. Gaurav Market.